We at Drunken Outsiders are a proper age to drink. We do not condone or approve of any underage drinking or any driving of sorts while under the influence. Please enjoy our episode. Welcome everybody, this is Drunken Outsiders. I am your host, Ryan. And I'm your other host, Devin. Yes. Well, today we're continuing on our killer... Uh, killing killing spree. spree, killing spree event with Charles Starkweather, who was a guy who went on a killing spree with his girlfriend Carol in nineteen fifty eight, nineteen fifty nine. In between mm. those times, in the area of Nebraska and Wyoming. Ooh, yeah. Are you sure it wasn't 57 to 60? Somewhere in between there? No, I'm pretty sure it's a smaller <laughs> time frame. But thank you for your contribution. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, today, what are you drinking? I'm drinking more of that Berry Noir. Berry Noir. Do you know what Noir means? No. Neither do I. <laughs> so I am drinking some this Sam Adams Cold Snap White Ale. Fancy. Yeah. It's a different color. I like the look of it, so I decided to try it. Yeah. Not too shabby. I don't think so. Not bad. Cloudy. It's what Noir means? Yeah. Cloudy. It's Latin for cloudy. Oh, wow. Hmm. No, wait, no, I spelled it wrong. A genre of crime, film, and fiction. Doubt that. I don't know what it means. Um, probably French, French word for black. It's probably what it is. Probably. Learn something every day. Wait, this stuff's purple. Well, it's dark, isn't it? Purple. Probably just means dark in some way. I don't know. Either way, continuing on to the story of Charles Starkweather. Bum, bum, bum. (laughs) So... Charles was born on November 24th, 1938. Damn, that's around Thanksgiving. Yeah, it is. He was the third child of seven. That's a lot of fucking kids. Yeah, to a guy in Helen Starkweather. So yeah, there's a lot of kids. Very poor family. Mm. Not very educated. But despite the uneducatedness and the poorness, they actually, all the kids, like, kind of grew up in a good home. That's good. Like a nice, happy wife situation. Yeah. You know, always fed, you know, just playing around. And neighbors always thought that they're they're good, decent kids. That's Nebraska for you. That's Nebraska. He was born in Lincoln, Nebraska. Just so you know. We're in Lincoln, Nebraska. It's the setting. Nice. Our own backyard. Yeah. If you drive an hour. What? If you drive an hour. I mean, as opposed to everywhere fucking else in the country. (laughs) Yeah. It's our own backyard. (laughs) So, yeah. Considered by a community to be a well-behaved child. Hmm. That's plural for children. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So pretty much while his home life was pretty much very pleasant to be, um, his school life, on the other hand, was not. Oh. He was pretty much bullied and laughed at constantly by all the other classmates 
everything because he had a pretty minor to mild speech impediment going. Oh. And also he was bow-legged. Oh. Damn. So it doesn't really help. Did it say where he went to school? Um, I'm assuming Lincoln. Yeah, which one? I'm not quite sure. Yeah, he went to a Saratoga Elementary School, then to Irving Junior High School, and then eventually Lincoln High School. Oh. So. Yeah. Okay. I guess it was just the one school. Yeah, probably back then. Yeah, back then. So eventually, growing up, he would become a more violent kid. Mm. You know, he'd, like, try and fight everybody he could, basically. Like, eventually in ninth grade, he met a Bob Von Bush. Ooh. Fancy. French? French? Is he French? I don't fucking know. Oh. He's Nebraskan. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> so eventually, immediately tried to fight. Well, he immediately fought him. And then they became the bestest of friends. Nice. That's nice. Yeah. It's a way to do it. I suppose so. How come so we didn't do that? Fight? Yeah. Because I don't fight. I just make the... <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's you. what we did. <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole lot of loving in this meat. Yeah. If you don't understand the reference, go check out her. I don't know what episode that was from. No, I don't remember. You know what? Just go listen to them all. Yeah. It can't hurt. Anyway, back to the bush. <laughs> So they fought, and they became really close friends. And from, this is a quote from the bush itself. Mm. He could be the kindest person you've ever seen. He'd do anything for you if he liked you. It was a hell of a lot of fun to be around, too. Everything was just one big joke to him. But he had this other side. He could be mean as hell. Cruel. If he saw some poor guy on the street who was bigger than he was, better looking, or better dressed... He tried to take the poor bastard down to his thighs. Jesus. Yeah, basically. If he liked you, he liked you. If he saw just one little thing about you, he tried to fuck you up, basically. Nice. Yeah. And so, pretty much, what was his age? Uh, I think, well, actually, so both of those guys, especially Charles, were huge fans of james dean oh like big fans yeah who wasn't back in the day fan of james dean yeah at this time like adults oh (laughs) people who didn't like rebels yeah i guess yeah because everyone's got to be vanilla about everything yeah james dean was his hero he dressed like him. He tried to act like him. His whole idea was being a rebel. Did he wreck his car like him? Well. Oh. Because isn't that how James Dean died? I don't remember. I'll look it up. You do that. Yep. So he did everything he could to be like James Dean. Except I don't know if James Dean... Dropped out of high school at 16. Yeah. But that's what Charles did. 1955, actor James Dean was killed in a car crash. He was only 24. 24, huh? Damn. I thought he was older than that. Hmm. That sucks. For him. Must have broke Charlie's heart. Yeah. I can imagine him. He's like supposed to be tough and all shit. He like sees James Dean coming. He's like James Dean's like hi. And you're like, we get it, we get it, we get it, we get it, we get it. Yeah. 
Imagine him doing that. The fucking ginger. He was a redhead. Oh. James Dean was? No, Charles. Oh. I didn't think James Dean was. I honestly don't really know what James Lean James Lean James Dean looks like. I'll have to look it up some other point. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. He dropped himself out of high school. Nice. Yeah. So he's the brightest in the bunch, but No, oh, he is not the brightest in the bunch. <laughs> I need to tell you that. It's not beat around the bush here. <laughs> The Bond Bush. Yeah, the Bond Bush. <laughs> He's also blind as a fucking bat, too. Mm, so he nice. had that going. <laughs> he, like, you had the like letter thing for reading. Yeah. He, he couldn't read the top fucking shit. <laughs> oh my god. It's like really bad. Yeah. He didn't say anything, so he's like, can't read shit. Bow legged. <laughs> a peach and spitament. <laughs> So he had everything going against him in life. Yeah. Kind of drove him to his violent point. Mm-hmm. But eventually, his... The Von Bush. Yeah. I'm just going to regard him as that. He's the Von Bush. Started dating a Barbara Fugit in 1956. And shortly after, Charlie... Uh, met Barbara's younger sister... Carol. Ooh. Double date. Nice. So then Charles and Carol started dating. How much younger was she? Um, well, he was 19, I believe. Uh, she was 13. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> There's a bit of a difference there. Yeah. In age. That's just, ugh. Yeah, it's not very good, but... They became fucking infatuated with each other. Especially him. That'd be like when you're after graduation, you get in with like a 13, 7th grader, 6th grader. Yeah, I don't want to think about that. No, that's disgusting. It's pretty gross. I don't even know a person that age. I plan to keep it that way. I don't know any 13 year olds. I hate kids that age. <laughs> I just say teenagers. That do, yeah. That's not preteen. That's actually... That's first step on teenager board. Yeah. 12 is preteen. Yep. Hate them all the same. Yep. Either way. She also was not the brightest bulb in the bunch. <laughs> Nice. Just like him, a bit of a slow learner. Um, she had failed a grade in elementary school, so she had that going for her. So she got held back? Yeah. So she isn't even in junior high then. <laughs> but she did have something going for her in her rebellious kind of attitude, just like Charles mm-hmm. did. So they, you could say they got along pretty well. Nice. So good, in fact, that Charles pretty much worshipped her. God, yeah. that's weird. It is fucking <laughs> bad. Like, it's not mm. the six years part that's the bad part. It's the, she's 13. She's 13. But, you know, she was young. She loved him. She thought it was cool. When, obviously, he was not. Yeah. And then... He was just like completely into her, would buy her everything he could, even though he's poor as shit. Yeah. I'm just reading through my notes here and see. I don't know, it'd be pretty cool if when I was 13 if I could got, if I got with a 19 year old. An older lady? Yeah. But it's just weird the other way around. I mean, technically it's still weird that way around too, because you're uh, a 13 year old boy. So? In her eyes, I'm a man. (laughs) Better than you again with a 19-year-old dude. Me again with a 19-year-old dude. (laughs) Fuck, no. Just saying. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. So, 
yeah, he just backtrack a little bit on that. Charlie quit school at 16 and then he went to work at like unloading and loading trucks at a at the Western Newspaper Union warehouse. Mm, nice. Yeah, his boss didn't think too highly of him. Mm. In Lincoln? Yeah, in Lincoln. Mm. Someone, he was in saying, sometimes you'd have to tell him something two or three times. Of all the employees in the warehouse, he was the dumbest man we had. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be one of them, though. He's got to be one of them. But, I mean, it's not fair. I have to be told something two or so times. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Just like, forget. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't make you stupid. <laughs> yeah. Does you, it? When you get told three different things and you can't remember two of them. Just. Uh, ain't so bad. Ain't so bad. <clears throat> so he's working there. Making enough money to actually barely making any money. Which he would probably give most, if not all, of it to Carol anyway. There's that. But. It was a job that was close to Carol. Mm. Right next to his school. See, he's got to work so she can buy her marker still. (laughs) (laughs) For school. Yeah, you can't buy crayons on a budget. Nope. That shit'll get you every time. <laughs> yep. Damn crayons. And paper? My God. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I was gonna say something, but I fucking forgot right in the instant. <laughs> Jeez. So yeah, basically, whenever she got off school... He wanted to be there every fucking day. Is he going to get her God, hanging out so with weird. her? His girl. Yeah. His love. This 13-year-old. Yeah, that's messed up. Yeah, so eventually, like, in one instance, okay, so he would let her drive around. Because he, he, he tried to teach her how to drive. Oh, my God. So basically one day, she took his car. He got into like a minor accident. Yeah. And he got and the trouble is that Charles' father was like the co owner of the car. Mm. So he had to pay for the damage on that one. Uh, yeah. So he basically got pissed at Charles and eventually ended in a fight and Charles had to move out. He couldn't live with his family anymore. Oh, so he moved in with the thirteen year old, didn't he? Basically. Oh my god. How did her parents allow that? I don't know. They were poor as hell, too. I don't know if they just really didn't care what was going on with Carol. I don't know. It was her mom and her stepdad. Family situation, I bet, was a little rocky there. Von Bush, how old was his girlfriend? I think it was around the same age as Von Bush. Okay. So Barbara was older. There was Carol. And then baby half-sister. It's pretty much... Situation at the Fugit house. He didn't go for her, did he? The two year old? Yeah, and he had to settle for Carol. Not quite. Hmm. He's, he's got to be at least 10 years older before the cat <laughs> yeah, hits on that. I guess. <laughs> Ooh. Nasty. Yeah. So, yeah, and then around there, he, around that time, he quit. The warehouse work. Actually, I'll have to backtrack on that. He quit the warehouse work to become a garbage man. Mm. And in being a garbage man, he did it so he could be with Carol more. So he can see her on her oh my God. days when she gets off of school. <laughs> Go watch her at the playground. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's like the first day at school and you see all the parents come to get their kids. Yeah. And for Carol, it's not her parents, it's her fucking boyfriend. Yeah. Oh, that's messed up. Oh, that's gross. How is work today? Oh, good. How is school today? Oh, good. Let's go make out behind Macy's. 
gross. Yeah. Okay. So it was basically around this point in time that he started... Charles started seeing himself as born to be poor, basically. Mm. Like he was never going to get out of this poverty lifestyle. Yeah. And he knew with his limited intelligence that he had that he figured the only way to get out of this situation of his was to turn into a life of crime. Hmm. He's going to... He started planning on robbing banks. Ooh, fancy. Yeah. That high dollar shit. Yeah. So basically, he kind of was going to start in this situation here that I'm going to get into. Mm. I worded that badly. On the day, on one day, December 1st, 1957. He went, actually, I think it was the day before that, he went to the gas station and tried to buy Carol a stuffed teddy bear. <laughs> but he didn't have the money. So he either tried to buy it on credit, right? Mm. Like they used to do it back in the day, I guess. Because they don't fucking let you do it now. Yeah. Uh, the gas station guy named Robert Colvert said no that's good I really pissed Charlie off yeah so the next day he planned on coming back with a borrowed shotgun that he had and so he went in there on that night December 1957 at around 3 a.m. and he bought a pack of smokes Mm. so he sold the smokes to him and then he left. And then Charlie drove around a little bit and he came right back. <laughs> and he bought a pack of gum. And then he left. <laughs> oh my god. I don't know what it was. Like he was trying to find the courage to actually yeah. do this shit. Or he's just that dumb. Yeah. I'm guessing both. Yeah. But third time he came back, he put on like bandana and a stocking cap so you wouldn't guess who he was and he brought the shotgun so but he's wearing the same clothes as he was the first two times uh, you can imagine so yeah (laughs) (laughs) he seemed covered up he's like it's a robbery give me all your money you don't know me (laughs) you sound familiar that's the clothes of the guy did you pie smokes and gum no. No. You got not, the wrong guy. I did not come in here and buy a pack of marbles. <laughs> I don't like Wrigley's. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Bubba Gum. Is that the other one? Huh? Bubba Gum. Is that the other? Bubba Gum? Bubba Gum. Oh. Bubble Gum? It's like Bubba. Like Bubba gum. Oh, yeah. Isn't that the one with the goose on it? The goose? Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Back to it. So he basically robbed the gas station in a hundred bucks. Then there was like, you know, a safe in there. It's like, open the safe. I don't have the number for a safe. Owner has to do it. He's like, oh... That makes sense. <laughs> You're coming with me, though. So he pulled Colvert into his car. And then they drove a little while into, like, a local person's yard. Mm. So wait, did he get the teddy bear still or no? No, just a hundred bucks. No. Oh. And the smokes. And the gum. <laughs> yeah. Should have stole his gummy, or the teddy bear, too. I should have. But he's an idiot. But basically, they stopped. And it's on Charlie's word here. But he said that Colvert struggled with him to get the gun. And then he shot him. Mm. Charlie shot Robert. 
and then he shot him again, and he shot him like several times in the face. Damn. So that guy's kind of dead. Huh. And then he went home. Robert went home after that? Yep, with a face full of bullets. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> Another happy night. Yep. So basically, this kind of murder gave Charles a sense of, you know, euphoria to him. Yeah. So I would think that he gave him that because it's like he actually had control over something in his life now. Oh, yeah, I got you. So, obviously, the police immediately got on that the next day. Yeah. So, he was a little worried about that, except eventually they came to the conclusion they thought it was, like, a transient, you know? Oh. Some person come in, robbed the gas station, did all this, killed the guy, and then left. Hmm. So, suspicion was lifted off of Charlie. Mm, good. Yep, fantastic. Absolutely great. I guess not good. <laughs> Sorry, it just came out. <laughs> I don't know who I'm rooting for in this story. <laughs> not Charlie. I'm rooting for Carol. I want to see her pull through. Well, the day after, um, he actually admitted to Carol what he did at the gas station. And, well, it didn't end the relationship, so they kind of created this, like, little bond that would seal both their fates for the rest of their lives, basically. Hmm. So pretty much, there was the first murder. And then on Tuesday afternoon of January 21st in 1958, Charles went over to Carol's family's home mm. i will refer to as the bartlett home because marion bartlett bartlett was carol's stepfather oh, okay and that was his house so basically um he went over there with a 22 rifle and what he said was an attempt to like go on a hunting trip with marion to get in the good graces yeah because neither Carol's parents nor Charles's parents actually approved of the relationship. Oh, what a surprise. And wanted them to get out of it at all costs. I, I wonder why, though. Yeah. I, mean, I, don't, I don't They love each other. Yeah. Love knows no boundaries. Or age. No, it definitely should know age. <laughs> it should know age. But in this situation, I guess it didn't. And so pretty much... There was arguing going on yeah. the moment he gets there. I mean, he goes in, he argues with the mother, then he leaves, and then he comes back. And then this time, Carol got there from school. Mm. And he bought a pack of gum. <laughs> if only. <laughs> he came back claiming he was going to come get the rifle that apparently he left. Mm-hmm. But the second time he came, uh, something else happened. He claimed that Velda, which was the mother, okay. came at him with a knife. Again, that's a claim from Charles. Yeah. Most of these murders, he would say it was in self-defense. Yeah. Though, of course, it's probably bullshit. So he said he came at her, he, she came at him with a knife, and so he shot her in the face. Oh my god. Then Marion came in soon after that, Charles claiming he had a claw hammer ready to hit him. Mm. Who knows if he actually fucking did. Then he shot him in the head. So both of them are dead. And... This is a sad part. Basically, the two-year-old baby was, like, screaming and crying and shit, obviously, because he grew a baby. Um, I'm guessing it kind of got on Charles' nerves or something happened. Oh, shit. 
Because he hit the baby with the butt of the twenty-two. Oh, fuck. Killed it. Killing the kid. Yeah. Damn it. So that's... I'm no longer rooting for the guy. <laughs> You're no longer, no longer rooting for <laughs> <No>. him? Nope. <laughs> it's right on the line. But he's a rebel. He's the American underdog. Yeah. Killing kids. Yeah. The American way. <laughs> With the butt of a rifle. Yep. Yikes. So yeah. Pretty much after that, um, him and Carol were just him. Not clear. A lot of these, like, what they do during or after these murders is, like, up to, like, their uh, interpretations of it. So yeah, it's kind of hard to guess what's really happened. Yeah. But I'm just going to assume they both participated in a cleanup. Mm. So basically, Charles wrapped uh, Velda, Velda's body in, like, this, like, piece of carpet that he had sitting mm. in his truck so we wrapped it and in their house um they had an outhouse right outside yeah so basically he shoved her body down that outhouse oh jesus in the hole um he uh, put the little baby's body in like this like some i can't remember what it was like some like trash thing you put trash in it, and then you put it in the trash outside. Oh. You put the baby in that, and he shoved that in the outhouse. And then the family had a chicken coop, chicken coop in the backyard, and he just threw Marion's body into the chicken coop. Damn. And then after that was done, they sat around the house. Well, they cleaned up the blood, and then they sat around the house and drank Pepsi and ate potato chips for the rest of the day. And so basically, they lived like that for the next few days in the oh house. God, they just eat chips, watch TV. That's messed up. Told everybody, hey, everybody's sick. Yeah. Don't come see them. So, basically, over the next few days, everyone's like, "Are they home? Is this person home? Is Marion home?" It's like, nope. They got the flu. Yeah. Come back another time. <laughs> they just kept trying to roll with that fucking scenario that was like, <laughs> days go by and everyone's like starting to like, okay, what's going on here? Where are they? Can I come in? Yeah. And they're like, no. They have the fucking flu. <laughs> Do you want to die? <laughs> yeah, so eventually pretty much Barbara and good old Bobby Van Bush. Yeah. Now actually married at this point. Oh, good. So yeah. we got two bushes. Yeah, you got two bushes going. Nice. And the bushes wanted in. But they didn't let the bushes in. Because obviously flu. The flu was going around, man. Yeah. So eventually a few times they would try and go to the police to get them, like, investigate, you know? Mm-hmm. Like a couple times they would, like, walk around the house and they'll like talk to Carol but Carol wasn't like distraught or she was like calm manner and all that so there's like fuck it it's fine yeah everything's okay until they really started pushing for them to do it. and then one time the police actually looked around and then they found the bodies yeah and they're like okay I think we do have to look around here more. <laughs> Fuck, this flu is bad. <laughs> <laughs> did you see what this shit did to them? Yeah. Put Are a hole okay? right in their head. <laughs> Both their heads. Are we okay to go inside? <laughs> Why didn't you tell about this earlier? Yeah. We're going to arrest you for keeping evidence. But basically, yeah. They found it, they investigated the house, obviously. Got all this stuff. By that time, Carol and Charlie booked it out of Lincoln. Yeah. And started their way towards a farm of an old family friend of the Starkweathers hmm. named August Meyer. 
So basically, on their way there, um, they went down a certain road, and they got their truck stuck in the mud. Oh, shit. So, August came to help him, him try to pull him out. Yeah. Well, he did pull him out. Because they eventually found themselves shooting him in the head. Oh, Jesus. They killed him. So, basically, after they did that, he, like, put his body in, like, in the barn, I think. Mm. He had to put a blanket over him. And so, they're there. They, like, ate his food, took some supplies, got a couple of shotguns. Yeah. So, basically, after they did all that, they, like, and there was a weird thing that happened. Like, they checked on the body, and, like, the blanket was off. Oh, shit. <laughs> like, it was, like, somewhere else. He got warm. <laughs> <laughs> he had to take it off. Yeah. It's too warm to be dead. It's got to be cold for that. Anyway, it freaked Charles out, because he thought, he, like, they were discovered. Yeah. So they booked it out of the farm to get away. Problem was... They went, to down, they went down the same fucking road they got stuck on. <laughs> so they got stuck again. <laughs> Idiot. So, pretty much at that point, car stuck. Uh, they hitched a ride from a couple, a 17-year-old Robert Jansen and a 16-year-old Carol King. But mm. uh, within moments of hitching that ride, they got shotguns shoved in their faces. The two other people. Yeah. And started demanding their money. And they forced them to drive back towards the farm. So they can get stuck again? Well, along the way, they found, like, an abandoned storm shelter kind mm. of thing. Storm cellar. Yeah. So basically, when they got there, he shot Jensen in the head. Mm. And then a different thing happened to Carol. Carol's body was found shot once in the head, but also was found half naked with her jeans and her panties down to her ankles. She was stabbed multiple times in the abdomen and the the vagina area as well. There's no evidence of semen or anything on her, well, so good. she wasn't sexually assaulted. She was just mutilated instead. Hmm. She's, she had that going for her. Yeah. So basically, they left those two bodies in the storm cellar, and they took off with Robert Jensen's car. Hmm. So yeah. They didn't get stuck this time. And they considered the play of going to see Charles's brother, I think it was, mm. in Washington State. You know what they did? Drove the wrong way? They drove right back to Lincoln. My God. <laughs> <laughs> they went to Lincoln. And they drove past the house where they committed the triple homicide just days prior. Oh, nice. Like, they drove past and noticed, like, the bunch of police cars there. It's like, well, we're not going in there. <laughs> yeah, no shit. So they moved on to the more posh side of Lincoln, you know, where the rich people live. Mm. Which, which, actually, Charles knew quite a bit of what's going on there since he was a garbage man. He picked yeah. up shit there every day. So we knew that. And so they eventually decided to go to the home of a C. Lauer Ward, which was like a 47 year old kind of bigwig. Mm. Very rich guy. Okay. He was the friend of the governor. Ooh, fancy. And he was the president of the Capitol Bridge. In Capital Steel Companies. So. Hmm. Very rich. Yeah. 
So pretty much that morning, a Clara Ward, his wife, and the maid, Lillian Fankel. Hmm. It's a weird way to spell his name. F-E-N-C-L. It is. Fankel, I'm assuming. Yeah. Lillian Fankel. It's pronounced Fencil. <laughs> Probably. <clears throat> a hard, hard of hearing 51-year-old maid. So, yeah. Hmm. There's that. It's basically around 1 p.m. Uh, Charles and Carol pretty much forced themselves into the home with a 22 rifle. And then, like, stayed there for a while. Like, mm. forced the other people to do stuff for him. So, eventually, Clara asked if she needed to, like, go upstairs and change shoes and shit. Then, I guess it, like, took too long for her to do that for Charlie. So, yeah. he went after her and then eventually found... He eventually threw, put a knife on her back. Damn. And stabbed her repeatedly in the neck and chest. I'm assuming killing her. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know. So they took the rich people's car. And then took a bunch of food and ransacked the house and all that. But eventually, a half hour later, while they were doing that, uh, Mr. Ward came home from work. And basically when he did, he got a bolt to the face. Oh, shit. And then they turned their attention to little Miss Lillian Fankel. Mm. Which they had tied to a bed. And stabbed repeatedly. Shit. Yeah. So there was that. And then they escaped. Pretty much not long after that, you know, the governor's friend was killed. Yeah. His family. So and it was a, it was basically a big manhunt going on from the police since, like, the two teenagers died. Yeah. But since... This bigwig got killed. The governor called in the National Guard. So everyone's going around. Oh, shit. Guns everywhere. Yeah. Like machine gun mounted army trucks going through the street. Everyone has a shotgun or a rifle pick up their kids from school. Yeah. Whole mess of a situation in Lincoln. That is. But they weren't in Lincoln. They're on the way out into Wyoming. Ooh. Yeah. So basically on 29th of January 1958, when they're in Wyoming, just outside of, just outside of Lincoln, yeah, in Wyoming, short ways out of Nebraska, they're looking for another car to steal to get away on. And then they came across a traveling shoe salesman by the name of Merle Collinson, who was sleeping in his Buick side of the road so basically they stopped to well Charlie said he's, they stopped to like trade cars like ask to trade cars yeah I guess the guy didn't wake up or answer quick enough cause he shot him oh my god in the body like in the head in his neck shot him in the arm and the leg so he's just like yeah all over the guy it shouldn't. It should suffice to say that the guy died. <laughs> what is there we Yeah. So they tried to get away in his car, but <laughs> Charlie couldn't figure out how to like get the emergency, how to release the emergency brake. Oh, I gotcha. So they're just stuck there while he's <laughs> trying to get that. And then a few minutes later, um, a dude tried to come up to the car because he thought they were having car troubles. <laughs> he was like, hey, you need help? But eventually he saw the body in the front seat and the mm. guns. And so there was a struggle going on with Charles. Yeah. And then lucky for 
him a uh, William Romer, a Wyoming deputy sheriff, came by and stopped to see what was going on. So basically, um, Charles got free of struggling with the other dude and tried to speed off in the car. Because at this point, Carol got out during mid-fight and ran to the cops. Started screaming and saying he's got a gun and all that. Yeah. It's like basically immediately flipped on Charlie. So they chased Charlie. And then eventually, I can't remember if they like did like road tax and all that. Or if they actually shot out the tires or whatever. But they had to stop. No, they shot through the windshield, like the back windshield. And then immediately stopped. And he got out. They told him to get his hands in the air. Yeah. He wouldn't do it, so they shot at his feet. They told him to get on the ground then, and he wouldn't do it. He was, like, reaching in his back to, like, what would look like, you know, trying to grab a weapon. Yeah. So, like, shot at his feet again. Damn. And told him. Then he actually finally got down because he wasn't reaching for a weapon. He was trying to tuck in his shirt. <laughs> idiot <laughs> but yeah he got on the ground and he thought he was, funny thing is he thought he was shot you know but he wasn't yeah it was like one of the like little cuts he got uh, from the windshield shattering but the deputy sheriff said you would have thought he was bleeding out <laughs> he thought he was dying from a tiny little cut so that's what he stopped Oh my god. So yeah, he was arrested in Wyoming. Good. And basically he kinda he was faced with two situations, he figured. He would either get the death sentence in Wyoming for shooting the salesman, or he would get the same treatment for all the murders in Nebraska. Yeah. Being Wyoming or Nebraska. And he chose Nebraska. Hell yeah. He was extradited to Nebraska. Uh, the thing that he didn't know was if he stayed in Wyoming, he would have got a life sentence. Because I guess the governor was not a proponent of the death penalty. Oh, nice. So he was trying to figure places where he would possibly stay alive or something. Yeah. And <laughs> he chose the wrong fucking state. <laughs> nice. So pretty much... Yeah, when they got back, they were both charged with first-degree murder and murder while committing a robbery. Mm. And they were both actually tried as adults. Damn. Well, they are both being tried as adults. So they both kind of faced the idea of the electric chair since that was the execution method back then. Yeah. So Charlie's trial began on May 5th of 1958. Um, <laughs> he didn't really help his own case in any way because they're obviously going to get him for these murders. So it, his defense was really trying to push the insanity oh, plea. Yeah. You know? um, he did not help them in any way. <laughs> he was... Ah. What's the word I'm trying to look for? He was obstinate about being sane. Oh. Like, he did not want the insane insanity plea. <laughs> what an idiot. For some reason, for him and his family, being insane was worse than being a serial murderer. <laughs> in a way. So, eventually... Okay. The jury made its decision. In his trial, the jury made its decision. (laughs) Decision? (laughs) They made their decision within 24 hours. He was was guilty on both counts of first-degree murder. And so the jury was, had specifically asked for the death penalty in his case. Yeah. So he went to jail, and he was... Executed by the electric chair on June 25th of 1959. Damn. Yeah. And I think 
Carroll's case went down later in the year. Um, her defense was pretty much built on her being like a hostage. Oh, you know, yeah. Under the influence of Charles. And it wasn't a very credible defense in her case. Yeah. So she was still found guilty of murder on November 20, 1958. But since she was a 14-year-old girl at the time, they didn't give her the death penalty mm. at all. She was sentenced to life in prison, but eventually found herself on parole in in June of 1976. Yeah. And then shortly after, released from prison. So, somewhere at this point in time, she's loose. Mm. She's out in the streets somewhere. Yeah. And that's the story of Charles Starkweather and Carol Fugit. Nice. Mass murders of Lincoln, Nebraska. So, yeah. Nice. Nice. Good for them. Yeah. <laughs> well. Are you for facts? Yeah, let's <laughs> go to facts. You want me to go first? I'll go first. If yeah, you got a four years up. So here's a little interesting fact. A little history fact. Not about Nebraska. Nebraska is born. Did you know... Uh, John Quincy Adams, one of our presidents, had a pet alligator. Nice. Yeah. I guess some, like, important French person, mm. like, gifted him an alligator. That's awesome. So he just kept it in, like, one of his bathtubs in the White House. Yeah. And, huh. like, showed it off every time. So I, I would. Asked, he's like, you want to see my pet? He's an alligator. <laughs> you got an alligator? He's like, yeah. Let me show you. He's like, come right through here. He's like bathtub full of water and fucking alligators swashing around it's like here's my alligator my god that'd be cool as hell it would be I don't know how you take care of an alligator though no would be an interesting pet yeah so mine is a day on Uranus (laughs) (laughs) a day on Uranus is 17 hours and 14 minutes that's a long time on Uranus. Yeah, but a year on Uranus is equal to 84 Earth years. Wow. Yeah. That's a quite a time to be on Uranus. Yeah, Uranus is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> huh? Fantastic. Yeah. True facts about your anus. <laughs> Alligators in your anus. <laughs> what a time to be alive. Yep. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. All right. Go follow us on uh, Instagram, Twitter. Do it. Yeah. Spread the word about us if you can. Spread the word. Yeah. We need the attention. Yeah. We love it. Crave it even. Yep. Well. Well. Ready to go get another beer? Yeah, let's do it. Yep, let's go get it.